Hey, we're so excited to be with you this week. This is AJ and Jake here hosting the Midnight Founders Podcast. This week we have a tremendous episode with a really good friend uh, and mentor, funny enough, Philip Chipping. And he hails us uh, from northern Utah. He's going to talk to us about how uh, entrepreneurship is this crazy wild road. But what makes it even better or what makes it palatable and tolerable, I guess, in most cases, is having a great mentor. He's actually one of the original founders of what is now Zag. And he's going to go through that story and tell us some great tips and tricks. So, Jake, let's dive in. What let's do you think? Let's get started, man. Let's go. Well, it's so good to be here. We're, we're here with Philip Chipping, and uh, he's from Logan, Utah, one of my personal all-time favorite places on the planet. Uh, at least that's where he lives now. Not right. from there, but that's where you're at now. Good place. Uh, AJ Rounds, host here at Midnight Founders Podcast. We're here with my co-host, Jake McCarg, Central C- Bank, CB Vault. Jake, say hello. Hello. Hi, Jake. <laughs> And we're nice excited to, see to be you here. Again, Philip. Thank you. Yeah, it's so good to have you. Thanks for making the drive down here. Um, we're excited to find out what makes Philip Chipping a midnight founder. So let's are we ready to dive in? Awesome. I'm ready. Let's do it. Um, Philip, tell us kind of your first moments or first experiences as a as an entrepreneur. Probably my very first date back way, way far when I was young. Um, my dad is a well, he's retired now, but a master electrician and a, and a uh, uh, builder. What's the term? Contractor. A contractor, thank you. And, uh, and did that all his life, but was always doing all sorts of entrepreneurial things with a family of seven kids. I'm the oldest uh, blue-collar worker, even though he made a good living, he made a good wage. Mm-hmm. Uh, that money didn't stretch very far, and mm-hmm. so he was always looking at other opportunities and i remember all sorts of things from amway to other non-mlm <laughs> things but Has everyone had an experience with but, amway well we live in that. we live in salt lake city right so you're yeah. bound to get hit you up for to. a couple mlms here and there not but, once uh, not twice maybe 10 times right but he also he listened to these tapes nightingale conant tapes uh, all the um all the motivational inspirational gurus of the day and i would go to jobs with him and sometimes they're like clear out past Tooele and Erda or somewhere that you're driving for an hour to get there. And we're listening to these tapes all the time. So he was always feeding himself with this motivation and this inspiration and trying to learn and trying to grow and not, not just satisfied being a, an electrician. So were you guys paying attention and listening to it as well? Or my kids, I try that with my kids now and they're like, dad, turn it off. Where's the music? This is crazy. What are we doing? Um, and I, you know, this must've been when I was a little bit older cause he was taking me to job sites and I was helping clean up or mm-hmm. I was doing small little odd jobs. I can't imagine that I was very helpful now looking back, but, uh, you know, I think that was a, a great bonding time, but it was also really eye opening for me. And, and of course these inspirational and motivational gurus, they know how to tie you in with, with great stories. It's not like sitting in church where you're like, this is so boring. Like <laughs> these guys have just powerful the stories. It's all wrapped in story, yeah, right? Yeah. When you're a professional speaker, speakers, yeah. you know? So yeah, we, we really did enjoy that. It created a love hate relationship for me later on in life with the motivational, inspirational, uh, people who choose that career. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just, I'll put it that way. I think there's a lot of value, but I think there's a lot of, I don't know. <laughs> Puffery, maybe. Something. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. And so you you had some early wins and you did some really cool things, uh, set the foundation for some really large companies. Um, tell us about that journey. Yeah, that's an interesting journey because uh, actually, you know, when I look back at it, everybody, 
everybody looking at somebody else says, wow, you're an overnight success. Well, no, that was like 10 or 15 grueling years before that success mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. And so for me, really, uh, I went on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ, and I went to uh, Germany. And uh, I was a good high school student, but I'd never really thought about entrepreneurship yet uh, personally. Mm. I was interested in writing. I love mm. stories, and I love writing. Mm. And, uh, and in fact, I was chosen in high school for this specialty, like, uh, business class that was a two-year class, and once a week you had to dress up to come, and only five, like, two students from five different schools got to be chosen, so it was only ten people. Mm. Looking back, I wish I had stayed in that class. I made it one semester through the, the first class, which was accounting, and I said, this is so not me. <laughs> I, I am accounting a kills cre- all Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, I'm a creative. Sorry to those accountants out there. Right. No, and I value that though as a skill set. Yeah. So oh, much sure. more now. Oh my goodness. Um, how critical it is to be able to mm-hmm. read those financial reports every quarter, every month. But I, uh, I can only I say bailed. that because I got my undergrad in accounting. Nice. So. <laughs> and you work at a bank. Like you're counting money all day it long. It kind of right? has to go hand in hand, right? So. Anyway, but uh, fast forward, I, I get home from my mission. Obviously, you have to start making money. I start going to community college because that's all I could afford and uh, started pursuing. A, Is that slick? Yeah, slick. Oh, slick. Cool. Started doing a, a, a certificate program in graphic design, which I loved uh, and became really important for my future success. But um, I, I hated the idea that a piece of paper would define my worth. Mm. Now, I love education. I super have to qualify that previous statement because I, I don't want you thinking that you can just the listeners are up in our bail eyes. on what? college, right? Second. Well, and you and I are founder <laughs> members of the found or uh, sorry, members of the entrepreneur school at Huntsman. All of us on all the founders board. All three of us. Yeah, that's right. You were there too. I'm sorry. That's where I first met you guys. That's right. That's right. And so, like, I love education. Yeah. I love college. Part of me wants to be a professional student. And like, that's all I do is just learn. Mm. And, um, but, uh, but I hated this idea that the school or the piece of paper was going to define my worth. So I started doing all sorts of entrepreneurial things. Uh, my father and I in 1999, pre 2K, for those of us old enough to remember the year 2000, 2000, when all the computers were supposed to die because they couldn't switch over from 99 to 00. It's crazy stories. They would blow up. Or they oh would, my gosh. Yeah. The, yeah Add and, millions of dollars to your bank account. or whatever. Yeah. And, and it, people thought the world was going to collapse. People thought, like, I got to get my food storage. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got to be prepared. That's right. So we started a food storage business, and that was the first business that I started with oh. with my dad. And one of the biggest you were in lessons college at the time, uh, right? yeah. Okay, I must have been. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that I remember, like this was pre-internet. I mean, we internet existed, but we didn't know. Not really. How, like ninety nine, not not email was like the newest. thing. Right, right. That was about all there was. Mm-hmm. So it was so amazing to me to see my dad say, okay, this is what we want to do. We have no idea what equipment we need. We have no idea what food sources are available, where wholesalers are, anything. And he just sits down and he just starts calling people. The yellow pages. Like the yellow pages. Ah. Just looking, okay, what what do I think? Okay, who do I know that might know? And we just start calling and asking questions. 
And it's amazing what opens up to you in the world when you just ask questions. We better qualify for those that are listening that are uh, of the younger generation. What what does that mean? What is what is a yellow page? Well, that was the <laughs> phone directory. That's right. That was right? the Google pre Google. Right? That's right. Yeah, and <laughs> it was right. just local. It was all the you know all the local businesses within your city in a big fat book. That's where all the advertising would happen. Yeah, and, and you if you need a plumber, you go to P. That's and right. find all the plumbers and, right. and you start calling them. That's right. So that's what we did. And for days and weeks, we just called people. Endlessly. Huh? And we just asked questions and we learned as much as we could about the equipment, about the food, about the sources, about the processes. We had to call the state. We had to get, you know, uh, if you want to be processing food and packaging food, what are the approvals mm-hmm. and the licenses and all of the things you need to get? And what an amazing experience that was to mm. just to just have to learn that lesson that nothing is unlearnable, mm. right? If you want to learn something, you just go start talking to people mm. and asking questions. And and the, and the flip side of that is how good people are. There's so much goodness in the world. Like these people were just happy to answer questions and give and give and give. Um, for nothing in return. For nothing in return. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So super neat experience. 2K came. Uh, for those of uh, you who don't know the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, twice a year there's a general conference where the prophet and the apostles speak to the populace of the church. So here we are with all this build-up, 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 and all these people buying food storage. Then President Faust gets up in his talk in October and basically says, you know what, focus more on your spiritual preparation than your physical, which totally sent the message to people, don't worry about the physical be fine. and sales just oh, crashed. Oh, no. And so we, we got out of the Not business. Not a great spokesman for your um, business. No. You know, uh, with hindsight 2020, if we had stayed in another 15 or 20 years, man, it would have been a really great ride. But, but uh, yeah. that industry has seen a lot of growth. And our current uh, economic climate, climate and and yeah. more recent events have really made me feel like, boy, that's that food storage stuff is probably a good thing to have in the yeah. closet. So. And they've all a lot of them have consolidated too. I used to run sales and marketing for Shelf Reliance and oh, help them, well, you know, yeah. brand to thrive life and um, right. yeah, great business. Yeah, absolutely. We just got out a little too early. But still, awesome experience. So that led to eBay businesses. That led to me uh, recognizing that in my parents uh, uh, lived just below a pretty uh, well-off area in Cottonwood Heights. Um, and uh, and no, nobody had high-speed internet. Uh, it was all dial-up. And I knew th- uh, of a way to bring a T1 line into the neighborhood and broadcast Wi-Fi from a high spot. And so even before... I knew anything about the lean startup model and validation and things like that. I thought, well, this equipment's about 25 grand. I'm going to have to talk somebody into giving me that money. I better show them some proof. Mm. And I got on the phone in the white pages this time. Not the, the white yellow. pages, the yellow pages was for business, right? The white pages was your directory of all the people. That was the personal side. That right? was the personal That's side. Right. And it's amazing that people, so many people let their, their, phone numbers be public, right? Because you and didn't have addresses. spammers that day and their addresses. Yeah. Like you could look it's somebody up right there. That's where they live. That's their phone it. number. Yeah, that's right. So 
I started calling as many people as I could in that area and just saying, hey, we're bringing high-speed internet. It's going to cost this much. Are you interested? Do you want to sign up? Yes, sign me up. I want it. We had like 50 committed customers inside a week or something. Mm. When so that was this? Was, sorry? When was this? 2000-ish. So the high-speed internet was probably like, what, 10 megs? Yeah, I mean, it was like a T1 <laughs> so dial line. tone probably, right? Yeah, T1 line could support, I can't, I can't remember the numbers. It's been a long time. But it was, va- it was, va- it was like, faster than the dial. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anything's faster than the yeah. dial. That's incredible. That is yeah. awesome. So that was an awesome experience. And I just played here and there with these different entrepreneurial experiences and different, different things happen. There's always circumstances that are happening that you can't foresee that might, that might force you to close. Even though I had good validation, um, we got sniped by another group that came in and, and the supplier actually, anyway, long story. So you never know where things are going to break down. Um, but, uh, meanwhile, I'm going to college, getting my degree, um, getting married, having a kid, having another kid. And, you know, when, when marriage and when kids come along, that makes it really hard to be an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. because they take a lot of time. And so I found myself and working. And they want to eat. It's weird how they want to do that. Right? And that stability. I don't, I, right? I don't get that. <laughs> yeah. And like your wife might be working, but as soon as, yeah. as she gets six months, it's like really hard to start working. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as that birth happens, it's really hard to work and you want to be home with the kid. Anyway, so I found myself without a college degree, mm. speaking German at Tahitian Noni customer service. Oh, yeah. For ten twenty five an hour mm. because to the world I wasn't worth more than $10.25 an hour. Mm. And supporting two kids and a wife uh, in, in government-subsidized apartments mm. uh, on WIC and on Medicaid, like, life was hard. Now, life was beautiful, and we were loving it, and I would go mountain biking on Saturday with my buddies and... Mm-hmm. And like, there's still a lot of things to be grateful for, but life was challenging. And I was doing a, an eBay business at the time, uh, selling mountain bike parts and, uh, you know, making a little money, but not a ton. But my supplier relationship was really rocky because he kind of wasn't supposed to be selling to me on the side so that I could sell on eBay. Mm. like his the original manufacturers wouldn't have liked that it's all under the table kind of thing yeah so so anyway um so finally life is getting really rough and i'm like i have got to go back to school i've got to get a degree i need like i want to be an entrepreneur but i need a stable springboard that i can jump from because right now i'm drowning in the pool mm-hmm. and i need to get out of the deep end and um so i went back to university of phoenix and started my marketing associate or yeah associate's degree in marketing or bachelor's bachelor's degree in marketing and i got about a year in and i'm going at night you know and uh got a year in and i got finally got past the i don't want to the term that came to my mind is the garbage classes the throwaway classes right you got into the meat of it like I'm getting into the stuff that I really want to do, and that's yeah, when my the generals all those right, things, and that's yeah. when that's when my business started taking off. That became Zag, 
And uh, that's a phenomenal story. Um, but obviously, life business got too crazy. I'm looking at this. I'm like, I'm making a lot of money part-time. And I remember my wife, she jokes about how I came to her and said, I'm making part-time what I make at my full-time job. Can I quit my full-time job finally and let's do this full-time? And she was all for it. But uh, And the premise was cell phone screen protection. Right, right, right. So to, to back up a little bit, my father-in-law worked in the car industry a lot. People always ask me, where does... Where did the film come from? Because part of the story of Zag is we branded this as a, a helicopter protective film that protected the leading edge of helicopter blades. Like we wanted on the propellers. Yeah, I... the propellers uh, on those helicopter blades that are in super sandy conditions in Iraq, yeah. Iran. You, you know, pelted with all this sand all the time. How do you protect those so they don't get eroded so fast? Because they're expensive to replace. And uh, and so people are like, where did you get this film? How did you know about it? Well, little secret is my father-in-law worked in the car industry for decades, used cars, new cars. Um, and he had gone and done this training at some group in Florida, how to put on like a clear bra on the car. The clear bra is a brand, a specific brand, yeah. but everybody just calls it clear bra, like a Kleenex, right? Mm -hmm. um, so how do you put this and film? Same yeah. How do you put this protective film on the car? So he went and he learned how to do that. And he got access to the software that had all the cuts for the cars. Mm. So instead of him doing the labor and trying to install all of these, he said, what if I go to the dealerships and teach them how to do it? And we'll supply the, the cuts. We'll supply the film. For and each model car. Right? For each. Yeah. So they'll call us. We sold, we sold a, a clear bra. Uh, can you bring us this cut for this make and model year? Mm. Yep, and we'd have it to them the next day. And we taught their guys how to install it. And Smart, scalable. It, right? Yeah, and it worked well. It worked well for about three or four months. Then he got uh, he got a job offer, and he's a, he's a type 2 diabetic. So health insurance is important. And here he is doing the startup, and we're making not a lot of money, you know, yet – Things were validated. Things were work, were working, uh, but he got a job offer from a car dealership for a pretty high up position and health insurance and a and a good wage. And so he took that and he said, "You take this. You run with it." Um, now, previous to him leaving, I had I was sitting there one day, and uh, this is this is fun. Not a lot of people know about this because. The original idea wasn't, well, I mean, it, was, it wasn't even mine, but I saw the potential of it. Let's put it that way. Because everybody who used this film had put it on hundreds of things. You're talking to any guy in the car industry who's used this film, they're using it on all sorts of stuff at home. They're putting it on this, they're putting it on that. And just so, to protect it. Just, yeah, and just like as a super strong tape or, yeah. you know, protective film on stuff like on my fridge or whatever. And uh, so he comes in one day and he says, hey, Philip, look at this. And I'm sitting on my computer. He says, look at this. And he holds up his handheld GPS, one of the rugged outdoor kind, like the Garmin. And when I look up at it and he's hand cut the film to fit on the screen. And the light bulb just went off. Like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. Mm. And like hand cut, it looks like garbage. But I 
had a graphic design background. I knew how to cut vinyl film on a plotter. I knew how to design the shapes and like all my previous background and training. And that's one of the cool things about this story. You know, people talk about luck and what's the, oh gosh darn it, I should have looked it up. One of my favorite sayings is luck is when preparation meets opportunity, mm-hmm. right? And unbeknownst to me, I mean, I had been be, been preparing as a graphic designer um, in, and having a lot of experience there, but I had this entrepreneurial mindset and I had this skill set and, and there's another skill set that became really important too, that my preparation was such that when that opportunity came along, I saw it and I was able to go after it. So I said, that's brilliant. We should do that. And he's like, no, that'll never make any money. Hmm. And he had this old crotchety friend. There was like this <laughs> 60, 65 year old kind of such a funny guy, like this super There's always got to be that downer the story, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> he was like the super downer guy, but he's a really cool guy and I really enjoyed being with them. And he and my father-in-law had previously started because my father-in-law owned a storage unit facility where we kind of were running his business because mm. he also owned a body shop at the storage unit facility. Oh, okay. And so uh, he and his buddy, whose name was ironically Phil. But not Philip. No, not Philip. Yeah. I'm Philip. Phil is totally different than Phil. Phil, when people say Phil, it's <laughs> like a, uh, I think of a... <laughs> plumber with a butt crack. And, and I apologize to all plumbers out there. Like I respect your job, you know, but, uh, plumbers have to bend over a lot. Right. (laughs) So anyway, Uh, I know I was raised in a very British home. And so Philip, I was always, my parents wouldn't allow me to be called Phil. So that's where that comes from. So Phil looks at me. Oh, they had started a car, a used car dealership like $2,000, $5,000 cars. And he says, you'll never make any money. This is like, um, like, this is probably a direct quote. It's stuck in my mind so hmm. impactfully. He said, you'll never make any money selling $20 pieces of plastic. Come with us where the real money is. You know, and to, to them, 1000 bucks, 2000 bucks profit every time you sell a car, like that's pretty good profit. But how scalable is that, right? Yeah, right, right. And... Um, so I just felt like, no, oh, there's something to this. So anyway, father-in-law leaves the business. Business is all mine. Um, and I decide, oh, well, and I, I had a little kick in the pants too. It's like in the, in the stories. There's always the inciting incident that kicks the hero onto the, mm-hmm. jur- the hero's journey, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a challenge from a friend. Sometimes it's bad stuff that happens that forces you to go do something. Well, in this case, our car dealerships, now my car dealerships, started deciding this is really easy we can do this on our own and for them a two thousand or five thousand dollar plotter is nothing as far as a capital investment like the the barrier of entry was so low they're like we already have the people trained all we need to do is buy a plotter and buy the film and we're doing this on our own and we cut out the middleman and so i lost like two of my bigger dealers Mm. um right around the same time at, or a month or two after Mike left. Mm. So I'm like, crap. So I started using another skill. So rewind a couple years and I had bought into one of these internet marketing programs that cost like $300. And it's one of those long page sale format things that's getting you with all the emotion, right? Yeah. And, and I'm like, this is probably just 
not even for reals, Hocus but I, Pocus I can't, I, I can't remember the name of the guy. Gosh dang it. He was one of the originals in the internet marketing, um, mm. sale, selling their program world. And I bought it and I got these two thick binders, like, uh, just tons of information. <laughs> and I open it to <laughs> chapter one, page one, and it says, learn HTML. If you don't know HTML, close this book right now. And don't open it again until you learn it, until mm. you know it. I'm like, okay. I closed the book and I went and I, and they recommended a free course to do it. And I went and I learned, I taught myself HTML. Oh, cool. So when so Zach, those did add value to someone. It, then. it did. It did to me. <laughs> it was worth it did everything. to me. Yeah. Um, One yeah. success story. I, I, I should contact him. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he's around anymore. Actually, he, he passed away. He loved car racing. I love, I love cars and and i would love to race on tracks i've taken my mini cooper s out onto the track out at the old track it was so it was it was how fast did you get it going side note uh i don't remember like on the straightaway 100 to 120 somewhere in that range there you go um but the funnest thing was that the Mercedes 400 right behind me mm. couldn't keep up with me through all the turns. Like on the straightaway, he could have passed me pretty easy. But once we hit the back straightaway, uh, he was he was so far behind, he couldn't catch up to me anymore. And you were much more agile. Because through the turns, that Mini yeah. is just awesome. Yeah. yeah. So John Cooper works kit and everything. So anyway, mm. I have a British background, so I have a... I, I, <laughs> so cool. I'm going off on so many so tangents. Cool. I'm sorry, it. you guys. No, so this is great. Let's bring this back. Uh, so where was I? So I, I hand-coded my first website yeah, yeah, in HTML. Can you imagine a, a, like a straight HTML website these days? Wow. But, um, but uh, so I listened to a mentor, right? And I think that's a huge, mm. huge key. Uh, back then, there weren't a lot of mentors in the entrepreneurial space. I love the community and the world now that's been built. There are so many successful entrepreneurs out there. There are so so many places to look for mentors. Yeah. Um, so, I uh, so I built, hand built this website. So the next question is, okay, who am I going to market it to? I had been looking all around, all sorts of different electronic devices, and. I kept coming back to the fact this thing uses water or a, a mostly water solution to install it. And I'm like, people are going to freak out if I'm telling them to put it on their electronics. And I'm not even sure if that's a good idea myself because I don't have a whole lot of money to just buy them to yeah, test it, yeah. you know. So I thought, well, I know the Garmin handheld outdoor GPS is waterproof. Mm. And I knew also because I had done geocaching that there was a huge captive audience of people that do geocaching. They use their GPS. They, they go onto this website. They look up where different caches are located. Mm. And it's like this mini treasure hunt. And it's the funnest thing to do, especially with kids. And you take these coordinates, latitude, longitude, and you're just hunting for this thing. And, and when you find it, you record. You go back onto the website and you record what did I take and what did I put right? It's, you never, you always leave something behind if you take something out. And, and so there's this huge community of avid, avid ge, uh, geocache and ge lovers and GPS users, right? And, um, 
So I said, well, that seems pretty good to me. I'm going to go target them. So I made up this little ad with this little Garmin GPS. It was a tall banner ad on the side of their website. Mm. And it's the little GPS screen had a face and he was saying, help me. And, and, uh, and we started, we sold more and made more profit on day one than that ad cost us on day one. Cool. And so from the get go, we were immediately profitable. Yeah, that's great. Um, and what was awesome was over six months, we focused all our attention. When I say our, uh, I hired my younger brother, 10 years younger than me. So I was 29 at the time. So he was 19 and I hired him uh, and I told him, you're going to work for free for two months. <laughs> so I didn't have to pay him for great two months. Great job. And uh, he agreed. And I understand by this time, like even before we launched it, I had done a lot of the validation again. I had gone around to people. The screen protector market at that point in time was like 10 or 20 flimsy, cheap garbage pieces of crap plastic mm -hmm. that that were static cling only. And you knew the minute you took them out of the package and put them on, you knew they were not going to be on there long. That's why there's 10 or 20 in a packet mm -hmm. and they cost like $2 or $3. And so one of the things that I did, I wanted to see, well, are people going to be willing to pay more? Because I don't want to work on that, those margins. I came out of the gate selling one screen protector for a phone screen for $15. And those margins, especially direct-to-consumer online, were like 90% plus gross, 90 plus gross margins. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, it was a healthy yeah. product to sell, right? But the whole, uh, so there's two things that I, I learned there. Again, the validation, I went out and I started asking people, are you willing to pay this much? I love that you did that, by the way. That's yeah. such a critical piece. Thank you. And, I, and that's one thing that I hammer into entrepreneurs I these love days. You did that. I don't care how cool you think your idea is. Mm -hmm. I don't care how cool any of your friends or your family think it is. I don't even care if I think it's a good idea because I've been wrong before. I've been wrong enough times to know that my opinion doesn't matter. The only opinion that matters is your potential customers mm -hmm. and you have to get validation and valid. The best form of validation is money exchanging mm -hmm. hands. If you aren't at a phase yet that you can get money, you have to have some other value exchange in order for it to be true validation An email for something is an okay validation. Them signing up for your service to be on your waiting list. Of course, that includes your email. That's an okay form of validation, but nothing beats cash yeah. in the hand. So true. So um, huge fan of the Lean Startup methodology. Um, if you haven't read it, my the top three books I recommend, Lean Startup by Eric Reese. It's more um, anecdotal. Mm -hmm. It's a light, fast read, but it introduces you to the subject. Yeah, Nathan Furr did Nail It, Scale It, which is another great, more in-depth yeah. follow-up. Uh, and they were both students, at least my understanding is that they were both st students of Steve Blank, who wrote the uh, the Startup Owner's Manual. Yeah. And Steve Blank is like a 500 millionaire, and uh, I don't know, he's he's up there, and he his book is like a freaking textbook. And there's two tracks. There's one for a digital product and one for a physical product. And so how do you go out and validate your business model? Uh, and, and so I love that whole methodology. Um, yeah. Cool. And uh, now we know who inspires you and who you 
yeah. are inspired by well, and motivated by. And I owe all of my knowledge of that methodology to John Richards here locally because he's the one that taught me all about it because he shot down another one of my big ideas later by saying, it have you matter. validated it? Yeah. I'm like, what's validation? He's like, I don't care. I'm not investing if you haven't validated in it. I, I love that you did that. <laughs> we, we teach that over and over and over again at Rev Road. Yeah, That's yeah, powerful, powerful on. stuff. And painful sometimes mm -hmm. because you learn that your baby's ugly, but I'd rather learn that before I've spent a million dollars on it or, That's you right. know, a year on it. That's so, right. um, so hand code the website, ads are working, uh, and you're self-fulfilling all the orders of that. Yeah. Company. Oh yeah. Just me and my brother. You're working on your your brother still, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep, just You're paying us. him in food probably. Yeah. Well, after two months, I really did start paying him. <laughs> uh, and, and jokes. <laughs> you know, and we're building our our offering because, you know, I knew I wanted to be applying it to more things. But as customers started asking me for, can you make it for this? I want to put it on my uh, Motorola. I want to put it on my iPod. So by the time our big break happened, we were covering 40 to 50 different products. And we had... We had but we were still only marketing to that one target market demographic. And I really want to um, emphasize how important that is because people think, well, I can sell to the world. And we could have. We could have gone out of the gates trying to cover 100 or 200 different devices, right? But we focused on one, and we focused on an, on an audience that was excited about what they were doing, mm. that had real passion about it. Solved a painful problem for them. Yeah. So... Um, Start small, start niche, start where passion is, and then grow from there. Say, at Road, we say riches are in the niches, right? Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Absolutely. So we were expanding. We had done a number of iPods by that time. There was no iPhone yet. This was in 2005. So that was just coming out. iPods were like iPods, still the big, thick ones with the... Yeah, yeah they, they were the dial. big, thick ones at that yeah. time. And for the first time that September... We were six months into our business now. Apple announced the iPad, iPod Nano, mm. the first one. It was black. It had a silver back. Yeah. And um, and the, thank goodness, right, that everything Apple did was in glass, right? Right. <laughs> Very fragile. Well, and the 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 silver back scratched the worst. Oh, the yeah, aluminum that's true. That's silver right. back scratched right. horribly. So here, everybody, the whole world finds out about the Apple Nano at the same time, including the guys who make cases, and that's going to be important here in a minute. They didn't tell any of their vendors in those days because they didn't have to file with the FCC. That only changed when iPhone came along. Mm. So, um, uh, so for two weeks, the, the media is just hammering Apple. Like this love oh, hate I remember. coverage. I remember. Do you? Yeah. The, the, it was just, there were like TV commercials. There was jokes about it. Yeah. It was in the news. Yeah. It was. It was all over. you were spending yeah. a fortune on that first, right. uh, that iPod, and, and it was just scratching Well, it was so small. Like everybody was yeah. in love with the iPod, but here we made a giant leap to this small, skinny thing that not only fits in your pocket, but it actually fits in your pocket comfortably. And, and, um, and so. Two weeks go along, and I had been talking with different marketing people and talking with this PR person. I don't even remember her name, but she was wonderful. And she, we, we decided to do a press release. Now, the day before, we hit $500 in sales that day for the first time. And we're working now out of 
my dad's backyard garage. Mm. And I remember walking in late at night. He, he and my mom were gone, and I put a note on his pillow, sold 500 today, and, you know, exclamation mark and smiley face, really exciting. You know, for two young guys, 15 grand a month, and we know this is just the start. Like, how awesome is that? That's pretty cool. And so the next day, the, the press release goes out. And we sent it out to just a local area, like the the Rocky Mountain. Like a regional area kind of. Yeah, because it was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. We were young. We didn't have a lot yet. And, and, you know, maybe now with my experience, well, I definitely now with my experience with that much hype in the world, I mean, we, we are the only guys on the street with a solution. I didn't know that the case manufacturers were running to China trying to get a solution. We were literally the only guys that had mm, a product on the market. Timing. So we our press release goes out and it got picked up overnight. Now, no major news outlets covered it, but blogs were big back then. And blogs around the world picked it up. And the next day, we sold $10,000 worth of... <laughs> Invisible Shield. 500 film. to 10,000. 500 to 10,000. That's a good jump. And the next bad. day it was 15,000. Oh and I'm the leader of my local scout group, like 12 and 14-year-olds. <laughs> and I was on the phone. You guys get over here. You're hired. Come help me package this now. I, I, I know you weren't even looking for a job, but you're still <laughs> hired and you got to get over here right now. This is a mandatory hiring. <laughs> and I'm the oldest hey, of seven kids. So my mom and dad had taken two rooms and broken out the wall and had a really long dining table. Um, we commandeered that whole thing. Oh my gosh. Like that became our whole, not, not production area, but our whole shipping area. You had a fulfillment area. center. You can, our whole you fulfillment can see this center. long dining table with all these scouts sitting yeah. around. And oh my gosh, it was crazy. It was crazy. And it was like we were printing money. Because this film is, like I said, 90% plus gross margin. And... This film is just cutting all day long. This plotter and cutting the film out. people are paying up front because it's a small purchase. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so we we're just mailing them. But we, we learned real fast that uh, handwriting all these envelopes really sucked. <laughs> so we're talking to the Pitney Bowes rep, and for the first time we have to buy this $20,000-plus piece of machinery mm. to help automate part of my business. And uh, that was a little scary, but by that time we were making enough money. So... We average we we settled down around two to three thousand dollars a day. If you do the math, that's like a million dollars a year business. And so almost overnight, with ten or fifteen grueling years of pain previous to that, well, about ten years of grueling entrepreneurial pain previous to that, we became an overnight success. And it was just freaking Unreal. It was phenomenal. We went to the first Macworld trade show in Boston back when they still did these things. And there's Apple with like this 40 foot or maybe 50 by 50 booth. I mean, taking up whole center stage. There's all these big vendors around them. Here we are with this little 10 by 10 booth. And, and from day one, I started pushing that narrative of helicopter blades because I didn't want people to think that, it, oh, I can just go get this film at my local car dealership this has to be special this has to be unique this has this is stronger than yeah that film you're familiar with even though it's the same film 
like here's the car story here's the helicopter story way cooler so we're branding yeah. with this so helicopter imaging on our packaging and yeah, everything smart and we literally strung these toy plastic helicopters from fishing wire like above our booth that was my dad's idea <laughs> and uh and I, for dads right i kid you not this is not a lie we were by far the most popular booth because we had a story and this is something else if you can incorporate into your into your well, you have to incorporate it into your marketing let me put it that way facts tell stories sell facts tell stories sell mm -hmm. so you look at microsoft or maybe not microsoft but you look at all the pc people that marketed for years based on tech specs mm -hmm. then apple comes along and creates a story mm -hmm. that sucks you into the emotion right so what we did we had our phones in our pockets and people would come up and we say hey check this out and we pull out like we're not even talking to them we just check this out we pull out our phone take our keys and we start banging the phone with the keys like the emotional response when they see you taking your phones or your keys to your phone they're like <gasps> so there's an immediate emotional response they're immediately pulled into the story right yeah. and uh so I'm, I'm a huge advocate for uh, the story brand um, marketing the framework, framework yeah. um, of, of creating a story around your brand. Um, and uh, anyway, that, that launched us, uh, you know, and for, year, for about three years, the first three years, we weren't able to break into wholesale accounts. I'll just end the story with this because this was our first major break. I went to England and I lived there for nine months to build the business in England, in Europe, because we wanted to start distributing worldwide. And uh, we had a lot of interest over there, but shipping was just prohibitive. So um, my distributor, his name is Arafan. He's an absolute freaking stud mm. in England. And he brings this a account to us. Yeah, still to this day. Yeah. He brings this account to us called Carphone Warehouse. Now, the reason we had never been able to break into uh, big boxes because the liability, right? Still, three years later, people are freaked out about the water on their electronic devices. Mm. And uh, Carphone finally took a, took a chance on us. And we went, I think, so first year, first year between... Between September to December, we did 750,000 in sales. The next year we did about 3 million. The next year we did about 6 million. This is year three when we brought on Carphone that bumped us up to 10 million. Carphone at the time was 50% owned by Best Buy, oh, which obviously we got yeah. into Best Buy. And once we were into wholesale uh, distribution, big box, it just took off. Everything there. changed. Yeah. That's incredible. So that's the story in a nutshell that's awesome, of Zag. Philip. Yeah, that's awesome. So what what is the craziest thing that's happened to you, either in that time or before or since? I mean, five hundred to fifteen thousand in two that's days. Amazing. Oh, that was that's, unreal. That's every entrepreneur's that. dream. That's <laughs> yeah. their dream, you know. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the craziest things that's ever happened. That was a good crazy. Yeah. Bad crazy. That idea that I told you about that that I was pitching to, to John Richards. He used to be a part of a group called uh, Boom Startup, I think it was called. Yeah. And he and his partner were investing and I went and pitched and they 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 shot it down and, and I spent $100,000 on that idea, trying to push an idea that I thought was cool. 
Before it was validated. Before it was validated, that I had yeah. never validated with the, so the market. That's a great learning um, right there. I will say that that was in 2008, and we had some great progress. We were doing a physical magazine, and the market crashed, and all of our advertisers backed out. But still, I can't let that be the only excuse because I didn't validate it, and I didn't, I, I wasn't able to pivot because I hadn't validated it. So those are some good lessons. Yeah. Very good lessons. Yeah. So Philip, what, I mean, you, you've had all these crazy experiences and these adventures. What would you say makes you a midnight founder? Well, either then now or right. Or so I love the name midnight founder, but how, how about all nighter founder, right? <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> Have you, too? Like, Works I think too. that's the concept that you guys are getting across mm -hmm. with that. But, uh, for, for those of us who have actually been there, done that, there are times when it's just crunch time and you have no choice but to work all night long. And one time my shopping cart was broken with Zag. And here I am, I don't have a programmer. And this guy that provided the shopping cart solution lived in Spain. So I was literally up for hours that night on the phone with him, fixing code, doing stuff, trying to get this shopping cart working for the next day so that, that people could buy mm. Um, in the U.S. And so there's been numerous times. So, you know, that's the thing about entrepreneurship. People say, wow, that must be so great. You get to work half days or choose when you work. And it's like, no, they, you choose when you work. Like, and I was like, yeah, I only have to work half days. And the best thing is I get to choose which 12 hours of I mean, the day it day. is, Take right? 12, right? <laughs> um, you end up working a lot, uh, but you do it because you're passionate about your dreams and that's your right. vision. And if you're not that passionate about your dream or your vision, then it's not the right idea. Well, you have an incredible story. So awesome. Uh, yeah. What's, what's next for you? What's next? Well, uh, I guess uh, this would be a good time to bring up the fact that I have stage four kidney cancer. You guys know about We're that. We're so sorry. Kind of crazy. Yeah, so um, Unexpected, 100%. Yeah, yeah. this kind of just Kurt came Paul. out of the blue uh, last November. So first priority is just to keep on living. Um, doing everything we can there. And I, our new family motto is faith it, fight it. Uh, pray as though everything depends on the Lord, then work as though everything depends on you. And so we're doing both. It's admirable that you're able to have that kind of attitude and move strongly forward with that kind of news. Well, you've been breaking yeah. walls down your whole life. So yeah, right. This is just another <laughs> that's, wall. That's you right. That's another right. wall. Go through. Yeah. Fifty-fifty survivability rate. I'm used to way worse odds. Yeah. So <laughs> we got this. Yeah. Um, you have to choose, even if there's nothing crappy in your life like cancer, you still have to choose every day what you're, how you're going to respond to the things around you. That's you know. True. And I can live in fear, and I can live in in anger and disappointment, but that's a pretty crappy way to live. So I choose yeah, to live so in true. faith and, and action and hope and love. And that's a lot better way to live. So, and thankfully I believe that the next great adventure is death. I mean, like if there's something after this life, what a freaking amazing yeah. ride, right? What a cool adventure. So, happen to us all. So we're right, all we're all going to find out one day. Right. <laughs> so that'll be fun. What parting advice, Philip, would you give entrepreneurs listening to this podcast? Well, uh, parting in, in that moment where they're just like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Right, right. Um, mentors, hmm. mentors. I think mentors save your life. 
having people that have been there done that. Don't give them the company. Don't give them half the company. Don't, uh, don't, you know, there, there's a proper place and level for mentors and, and, but, but you have to have them. You have to have them. Uh, you're going to be spinning your wheels so much harder than you need to mm. if you don't have the mentors. So go to the business schools, you know, BYU, U of U, USU. Go find the local people in your community who, have, who, who are part of an investor network, who understand the real mechanics of business, not just some successful business person, but somebody who really mm. understands uh, how equity works. Mm. how investment works, how all of these different mechanics of a successful business work, how marketing works, um, and and you'll be in good hands. Great. I think that's really great advice. I, yeah. I agree. And you know what I've learned in this, you talked about it in this ecosystem that we're in right now, uh, people are willing to share. They just yeah. are. They are. Yeah. There's so it's many amazing. knowledgeable, successful, and the more, like in Utah, Silicon Slopes here, we have so many more successful people every year that are looking to give back yeah. and it's, yeah. a, it's an awesome community to be a part of i've been yeah. really impressed with it yeah likewise well you've got some other businesses going um yep. and we're excited to see what you do with those well thank you um, how do people like the listeners if they want to reach out how do they get a hold of you are in linkedin yeah philip chipping at gmail.com that's okay. the easiest way i am on linkedin i am on facebook i'm horrible at both Okay. <laughs> like, look at my profile, and it's very few words because uh, I don't email's need it best. for a job or anything. Just email's best. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking time with us. Thank uh, you, guys. Fun, I really Phil. appreciate it. Thank you.